Please turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. I really wanted to tuck these sermon thoughts away for our last message on the church. And I just thought maybe some special time would come up in the future where, where I would be able to bring this message in another way on, on another day. And, and I've done that before, and, and sometimes the opportunity didn't present itself. And, and so I, I trust that right here, right now, tonight, is, is the time for our final message on the church. And in John chapter 4, starting in verse 20, we're only using this as the text because of one word that appears several times. It says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain... And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We've had some very clear and instruction and understanding on the Lord's church. The importance of the Lord's church. Many don't hold the Lord's church at the place of importance they should today. It's being lost among many. And maybe that's because the church isn't taught about, it's not preached about, history isn't given. But we have done that over the last couple of months. We have shared from the beginning the, the very word church and what it means. We've shared what a church is, the beginning of the church. Jesus started His church, the continuation of the church. It will continue, and there will be the Lord's true churches upon this earth until Jesus comes back to the clouds to get us. We have described the characteristics of a church. We have talked about what it means and how you accept someone into the membership of the church and the extreme importance on that. The two ordinances of the church we've shared, baptism and the Lord's Supper, the two ordained positions in the church, the pastor and the deacons, the heart of what discipline is in the church. It's not punishment. It's about reconciliation. It's about the restoring of a member to the church. And we've talked about the finances of the church, the spiritual healthiness of the member in their giving in the church. And last but not least tonight, we are going to talk about worship in the church. You know, many churches have new member orientation or new member classes. 
and the doctrines of the church are gone over in many of those classes and, you know, the duties of the church member and, and maybe how the church members required and should study their Bible. It, 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 it is a great help for the student of the Word of God as a church member. Uh, maybe sharing one's faith maybe getting involved in a ministry, but, but many times worship is really never taught. It's, you know, we, we talk about it, but we don't teach about worship and what it is. You know, I have read testimonies of preachers that though I don't know them personally, I have a lot of respect for them for, from what I've read about them and what others have wrote about them. And, and these are shepherds of the flock who definitely loved their flock and pastored them for 20, 30, 40 years. And, and they said it appeared as though many church members who were in the church decade after decade, same service as them, just never showed any signs that they were truly worshiping the Lord. The worship of God. It's spoken about a lot in the service, you know. I mean, we, we, we speak or we pray of our intentions that we might worship God in the service. We, we speak that that's our intent to do. And that's the reason why we're gathered together. We are gathered together to worship God. And what does that really mean? Are there those members who gather and maybe do not worship the Lord in every service? You know, there, there are those who, who come to church and they worship the Lord. And that's why they're here. And there are those maybe sitting in the same aisle who are not. Worship of the Lord. How important is it that we worship? How important is that difference that maybe someone is worshiping the Lord and someone is not worshiping the Lord? Have we been present in the worship hour? But that's not what we've been doing. What is worship? What is the Bible speaking of when almost 200 times we find this word worship in some form or another? What does it mean when Abraham said, I and the lad will go up yonder, on up to Moriah, to that hill, and worship? What does it mean when Jacob, Moses, David, Solomon... It says of them they were worshiping God. What is that? Is this speaking of an action? Is this speaking of a feeling? Is this speaking of, of both? It's important to know what worship is. And we're not going to answer all of these questions tonight. It would take a series of sermons to answer all of these questions. But it's important to know what, what worship is and that we as God's people worship the Lord because God desires it. And God demands worship. And He deserves worship. What does the word worship mean? Well, well it means to kiss. It means 
to bow down. It's an adoring and a reverence and an acknowledging of the worth of. One would bow down before the king and and maybe be able to kiss the king's hand. And that was done in honor of a superior that they were before. Worship, it's expressing the worth of another. We worship God because of what He is worth. Worshiping is about attention given to God, respecting God. It's deep meditation in our thoughts of God. That's where our minds and hearts should be. That's what we should be conditioned to when we gather in God's house. You know, many have described worship in in more detail and said a lot of things about it. And there's some good things that have been said, as as in it's a building up of a thankfulness inside you and I because of what God is and who He is. It's a thankfulness as a result of what we're thinking about when we think about God. There is a rest and there is a peace inside us as a result of our meditation on God. Our hearts become consumed with God and opened by His holiness, His beauty, His love, and, and, and just it starts building up inside us and, 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 our, and our thoughts on God and His greatness. It rises up in you and I. It's a welling up within us of the effect of all that God is. And it spills over in expression, worship does. It doesn't start with outward expression. Worship starts in the heart. It starts within But as I say that, there's a manifestation of worship. Worship is going to be expressed by the one who's truly worshiping God. It's going to overflow from outside us from what's going on within us. We will love, adore, and fear Him when we worship Him. It begins within But worship boils over and spills out an expression in some way. Not the same way for all of us. We're not all the same. We all serve the same God, but we express ourselves in different ways. Some people are more excitable than others. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a positive or a negative thing. Some people are more emotional than others. And I'm not saying that's a positive or a a negative thing. But our mannerisms are different. And, And so we have to be careful on what we say about what appears in someone. Someone may claim that there's a lack of this or too much of that in someone. And that's really not what's going on in the heart of that individual. You know, we're, we're to judge according to righteousness, but we're not to judge according to appearance. But in saying that, uh, you know, many cases we're going to be wrong in that, but the worshiper's cup is going to overflow in some way. And it is going to be expressed outwardly in, in some way when we are truly worshiping the Lord. 
That's not saying it's something we're really going to be doing ourselves. Worship is not initiated by us. Worship is a result of something that happens within us. When God and His greatness is our focus. There is an emotion in worship, by the way. A lot of people don't say that or steer away from saying that just because of the abuse of some and the show of some when it's not genuine. But, but there is an emotion that will happen in worship. The problem is not emotion in worship. The problem is where it comes from. We do not drum up emotion in worship. We do not initiate it ourselves. It is going to be a result. The overflowing of worship, it's not something we can just mechanically show, but it is going to be the result of something that is happening inside you and I when we consider how great our God is and who He is. There is a manifestation in worship, but if there's something more important than that, it's simply that it's a must. It's a must that the Christian worship God. You know, when the Christian does not worship God, which that's a miserable situation. I don't know how that happens. But when there is not the worship of God happening in the Christian, that doesn't mean that there's just something that the Christian isn't doing. It's doing something that is terribly wrong and negative and damaging and hurtful to the life. When the Christian is not worshiping, it hurts our own lives if we're not worshiping. It hinders and can hinder the lives of others around us when we don't worship Him. Uh, of course it hurts the heart of God when we don't worship Him. Jesus Christ is to be exalted. And it takes a worshiper to truly exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, think about him on this earth, he was worshipped at his birth. The last three and a half years of his life in the flesh on this earth, he was worshipped during his earthly ministry. He was worshipped after his resurrection. He was worshipped as he ascended to heaven. When he comes back to the clouds one day, we are going to worship him. He is going to take us home to be with him for eternity, and we're going to worship him for all eternity. And we worship Him right now. That's, that's our purpose in gathering here. That's our purpose in life, that we worship God. Worshiping, worship of God is a way of life. It's not just here in the sanctuary. Though this is a special time that God's people gather together to worship Him. You know, let me just throw something out there for thought. What if... Our ability to worship God in heaven was based on our practice and our experience of the worship of God here. How much would a Christian be able to worship the Lord in eternity? This is, this is where we learn to worship God as the people of God. And and it's our purpose in life. And it's going to pass on to the same purpose in all eternity. It's a must that we measure the worth of God, who He is, 
is, what he has done, all he is going to do, because the result of that evaluation of God is going to worship. You know, just preaching in and of itself, or just to listen to the preaching, that's, that's not all that worship is. To sing to the Lord. Though, those songs tonight, I was listening to the hymns that we sang and the words that we sang, and they helped me to worship the Lord. They made me think of my Lord. They made me think of Him and, and realize that, that I get to love Him, that He's made me new. And we have a loving relationship with the Lord, living for Jesus. We're able to do that. And that helped me to come to a place of worship. These things in and of themselves are not worship, but they helped me and they help us to be able to worship. They help you and I to think upon God, to become overwhelmed with His kindness, His righteousness, His grace, His love, His mercy, His holiness, until our cup fills to overflowing. Worship is a result of Everything within us giving glory and honor and praise to God for all that He is. And when that happens, which must happen, the Lord demands it. When that happens, it's impossible for that Christian not to be joyful not to be able to experience the joy of the Lord. It's impossible for that Christian not to spread joy. I talked about the hindrance toward other Christians by, by some not worshiping. The worshiping Christian spreads joy. Worship is contagious. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I remember some folks came from overseas, uh, foreign exchange students, and they stayed with a family of the church, and, and they came here. And I wasn't even here at the time, but I heard the testimony that they, that they came and worshipped here, and they left going, y'all want to go to church, don't you? We, we have to go to our government-appointed religion and services there, but y'all want to go to church. Amen. The worshiper does. I was glad when they said unto me, let me go into the house of the Lord. Luke 24, 52 says, and, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Worship causes us to break forth in a joy. It's, it's impossible for the worshiping Christian to not be joyful. It's impossible to not be changed by worship. For our character as Christians to grow, it, it, it's impossible that we not grow if we're worshiping the Lord. Paul told Corinth, after they, they were humble after a rebuking, and Paul writes to them in the second letter and says uh, that we with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed 
into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Worship contributes to the producing of Christian character in our lives. It is a must that we worship. You know, the work that we do for the Lord. We always talk about how motive matters. And the work that we do for God and the enthusiasm by which we do the work for God that we partake of, it depends on our worship of God. We can't just work for God around here and not be in the worship service and worshiping Him. Our work depends on our worship. The worshiping church member is given a condition of rest, of peace, a right relationship with God, acceptance, confidence, safety, and assurance. This will affect... And this will be the effect in the life of the true worshiper. The one who comes to the house of God to worship, they come to give, not, not to get. They come to give God His due. It's, a, it's, it's something that, that we meditate on that is overflowing in the heart, and we can't come, wait to come give God what we desire to give him here. Not, not to get. It's not about attention to self. It's not about something done for self at the house of God. It's about him when we come to worship him. And it's about giving him all the glory. The, for the worshiper, it's not about their needs when they come to church or, or about their desires or their blessings. But it's going to be about God. I received a a devotion from a preacher friend this morning. And he wrote in that devotion to me, he says, my prayer for you this morning is that we worship him for his character and praise him for his kind goodness and greatness. What, what a help for me to be able to be reminded that it's about Him, and it's not about me, and it's not about anybody else but the Lord Jesus. Revelation 4.11 contains some good words for the worshiper. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That's all about Him. And it's not about us. When we worship, when we worship, the worshiper decreases and God increases. That's what's going to happen in our lives. God must be exalted to his proper place by us. And we must be reduced to our proper place. And that happens when we truly worship the Lord. It is a must that we worship the Lord. And you know, you, it, I'm not saying it comes easy. I'm not saying it, it just freely happens without struggle and without interruption to get in the way. There are many hindrances from worshiping the Lord. You know, just simply in our daily, you know, we could talk about 
the spiritual warfare out there. We could talk about the, the powers and principalities of the air and, and all of those things in a spiritual battle we're in that hinder us. And that's a, a good sermon for another day. But what, what about just simply when it gets down to our everyday life and, and habits and hobbies in our lives? You know, we're in the world and we're not of the world. And there's things maybe that, that we do in the world and in and of themselves they're not sinful and, and we partake in them. But, uh, but all of a sudden we're so busy that we miss the worship of God and, and we can be so consumed with things that, that what can happen is it gets crowded out and we're just not plugged in. We're not plugged in and we're not interested in, in the worship of God. Hindrances of, of habits and hobbies, something just simply that is, is, is a great setback from worshiping the Lord. When we don't stay spiritually sharp and sensitive, church service can become tradition. It be, can become ritual. It can be routine. If we're not worshiping, we come to church with 120 things on our mind. And they stay on our mind through the whole service and we leave, taking them out of here. And we miss what God had for us. Hindrances in worship. How about when we don't grow in the Word of God? I heard this morning, and I've heard many times, that to grow in faith comes by the Word of God. And when the Christian doesn't grow in the Word of God... Look, ignorance affects the worship. That sounds like such an ugly word, but it's not meant ugly. It just, it just simply means not knowing. And if we don't study God's word, we don't know God's word. If we don't, if we don't embrace his promises and, and, and read his promises and meditate on them, we don't know his promises and we're not claiming his promises and we're not living blessed by his promises and, and it's, a, it's a hindrance if we don't grow in the Word of God. That's a, that's a hindrance from worship. I'll tell you what else is a hindrance from worship, and that is a critical spirit. A critical spirit will, will damage our worship in a hurry. You know, the one with the critical spirit is the one who would appear to have it all together and think they have it all together. And that very manifestation right there tells that they don't have it all together. None of us have it all together yet. A critical spirit will hinder worship. That overlaps into another hindrance, and that is pride. Lucifer, cast out of heaven for this sin. You know, before a great fall, there's always pride there. In the midst of contention... That's a result of pride getting the best of. It takes humility to worship God. You know, there are, Micah 6, 8, there are some requirements. And, and one of those requirements is to walk humbly with thy God. It takes humility to worship God, to do what we should to do what we don't want to do that God wants us to do, that is honorable, that pleases Him. It takes humility to do that. And it's pride that stops us from doing that. It'll, it's pride that will stop us from being able to worship God. 
In our pride, we won't see it and we won't realize it. But we, we won't admit it. You know, pride, it's, it's hard to, for us to admit we're not worshiping God if that's the case with us. And that's the roadblock in our lives keeping us from worshiping. Pride rises and humility lowers ourselves. You know, a picture of worship is our face planted in the dirt before the throne of God. Lowered before the Lord in all of His power and His majesty. Pride will keep us off our knees, though. It'll keep us standing on our own two feet, which is a, which is a great place to fall from. What a roadblock pride is to keep us from worshiping the Lord. What, what, a, what a dangerous, powerful thing that is because pride is easy to see in others, but it's very hard to see in self. And we must examine ourselves for that. That if we have that hindrance to keep us from showing God His worth, we're, we're caught up in our own worth if we're not showing God His worth and if pride is that roadblock. How about worldliness? We cannot love the world on Friday and Saturday and love the Lord on Sunday and worship Him. Worldliness keeps us from being able to be plugged into the worship of God. It's, it's going to plug up the line to heaven when we come in and try to worship. Worship's a way of life. It's to be the worship of God on Friday and Saturday. How about harboring bitterness toward another and trying to worship? Let's try doing both of those and see if it happens. It can't. We must make things right with others. We must cancel the debt of others before we can worship. If we're not willing to leave our gift before the altar and go be reconciled and come back and offer our gift, then what are we really doing if we're present in the worship service? Because we're not able to worship the Lord. We must see our need to be forgiven. To ask for forgiveness. To forgive others. To be able to worship the Lord. If, if we don't and we're present... We're doing something that's unintended in the house of God. If the prayer life is weak, worship is going to be lacking. Worship and prayer, they go hand in hand with one another. Wow, there are, many, there, there are so many hindrances. We could, go on, we could just make a list and go on and on with that. But let's close on a better note. Let's talk about some helps. You know, there... Worship of the Lord in His church is very important, and we need to consider the helps that we have. You know, we, we're, we're able to share something tonight to help us to pay attention to the importance of worship, that I might go home and, and examine myself, and that we all might go reflect on how important worship is that we might all just go get alone by ourselves with God and ask ourselves, 
Or how about asking him, am I worshiping you? Pay attention to the importance of worship of God. Is that the reason, is that what I do when I'm here? Is that, is the Lord who I am most consumed with? When I gather for worship service, we can prepare ourselves. We can prepare ourselves for worship. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, that's in 1 John, 1 John 1, 9, and 1 John is written in the continuous sense. That is something continuous for the child of God. Read, let's read our Bibles, let us pray, let us witness to others daily, daily, daily. Let us confess our sins daily. I believe it was Brother Rick who was either in a church or knew of a church that took a moment where everyone was quiet right at the beginning of service to get their hearts right to be able to worship the Lord. Let us prepare our lives. That, that's a help. We, pre, we prepare ourselves for worship, spiritually and in every way. You know, if, we're, if we are focused on worship and preparing ourselves for worship and have that argument with the spouse on the way to church, we're going to apologize before we come into God's house so that we're not hindered and we can worship the Lord together. How about something as simple as what I used to, something I used to teach the teenager so much? Preparing for worship doesn't start on Sunday morning. As far as meeting for worship in God's house, it starts on Saturday afternoon. We need to prepare the day before to be able to worship the Lord. You know, and I don't think... Just teenagers need that. I think we all need to think about that. We need, to get in the, we need to get in bed in a decent hour on Saturday night so we're not a deadhead in God's house on Sunday morning. He deserves our best. He deserves our best focus, our best condition, our best attention we could possibly give Him. No... No, the party's not happening with me if, if it's late Saturday night. Just, it's not a good time. God deserves better than giving Him half of our focus and half of our potential on Sunday morning because we were too busy and it went on too late Saturday night. He's worthy of our best preparation. How else can we be helped? Well, how about parting with distractions? Need I say more? We need to part from distractions. I'm not, I'll, just, I'll just say this of myself. I, there's too many things that, that come through on my phone for me to be able to use my Bible on it. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if you still call it airplane mode, but, you know, I wonder whoever uses their phone for, for their Bible, I wonder how many put it on that. It's a, it's a help to part from distractions. 
You know, before this, it was talking in church. I guess it's both now, maybe, you know. But what could we really possibly have to talk about in church? We need to part, we can part from those distractions. Why would we listen to another during the service? How, how can we, how can we miss part of the service? And, and worship not be interrupted. You know, I, you know there's, there's some family members that I don't like to go on a trip with because they have to stop off and to go to the restroom way too much. It's ridiculous. And, and they, can, they can turn a five-hour trip into ten hours, no problem. And, and, and I don't know if maybe someone's bladder can't last an hour, but we need to do everything we can to part from distractions. We need to get our Bible, take care of the restroom, and get our drink of water before we ever come in the sanctuary and let those doors be closed and all of us worship God together until the service is over. And then we won't be interrupted from the worship of God. And no one else will be either. If your head falls off, go ahead and pick it up and hold it on your shoulders and get out of here and go to the hospital to get it sewn back on. There's going to be an emergency every now and then. But there's so many ways we can part from that distraction. And it's very important that we do so. God's people participating in worship together and responding to God Without, without an intermission, without a lapse in our, in our worship hour to show Him His worth and to know that, that He in the power of His Word is speaking to our hearts and doing something in our lives that we might respond to God. And as I say that, you know, it may be that, that someone comes to a worship service and they can't worship. Sometimes the very best thing that ever happens in someone's life happens in a worship service, but they don't start out worshiping the Lord. And what I mean by that is the power of the gospel going out and someone responding to the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins according to the Scriptures. And so the worship service is not over during the invitation. That's time for God's people to pray as the power of the Word of God goes out that there might be a soul in our midst that the Lord is saving. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. We, I thought I was seeking Him back in 04, but... You know, and, and, I can, and I can tell you the testimony, and it looks like I was, but he was seeking me, and he was drawing me. And I came to the place of being able to make that decision for him, and that's the way it happens for so many people, and it happens right in the house of God. And, and maybe that's you tonight. And if you're here tonight and you haven't been able to worship, but you see that you are a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins, he paid your penalty in full, and you are willing to trust him as your Lord and Savior to forgive you of all your sins, 
God's people are going to be worshiping during an invitation tonight so that you can have your time to obey God, to obey the gospel, and to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So the people of God worship in the invitation. We, we worship and we're in prayer that God would do His will in someone's life. Not just, not just the lost person, but, but the child of God here tonight who has discovered maybe a hindrance in their lives. And, and they want the strength to be able to overcome that hindrance so that they can worship God that much more, be that much closer, be that much more plugged in to the worship service of God. May you obey God tonight as others, your brothers and sisters in Christ are praying for you. So we're going to bow to the Lord in this time. And it may be that during this worship service, someone has realized their need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And we pray that you would share that with everyone here tonight. We're going to be praying that that happens for you. We're going to be worshiping during the invitation that that would happen. Our child of God, whatever your greatest need is, God wants to meet that tonight. He wants to help you to overcome whatever hindrance that is in your life that has held you back. He loves us too much not to help us discover it. Let us pray. Father, we do humble ourselves before your presence tonight. We consider your greatness. We thank you for your long-suffering with us, your love to us. Father God, for that soul nearest hell tonight who has never worshipped you, we pray that you would quicken them and make them alive unto you and that you would save them, Lord. And dear God, in the midst of this precious family you've given us to have one to another to worship you, I pray the, for the help that anyone's willing to reach out to you to receive. I pray that you bless them in a mighty way. I pray that you speak to every single heart individually now. You demand that we worship you, and we know it's your desire, but you help us to get rid of the distractions. You help us to see what it is that might hinder us from the worship of your holy name. So I thank you for what you're going to do in our lives tonight. I thank you for this time that that any have the opportunity to seek you in a special way before the family of God, before your church. And for the one who has never known you to be a witness for you in front of the many that are here tonight to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Have your way and have your will at this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If everyone could please stand.